What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Six Your Sense podcast. It's your co-host Jack Duffy, and I have Chris on. What's going on? Um, not much. Um, how are you doing? Oh man, tonight was started off slow, but Elton Brand said he had a plan, and we'd we'd find out, and we certainly did. Yeah, yeah, I was a bit worried there at the beginning because free agency basically started with JJ leaving, and uh. Not much else happening on Philly's end. And it looks like it could get pretty dark, but um, Elton managed to make some pretty big moves, and now the Sixers are um, sitting in a pretty good spot, mm-hmm. all things considered. Yeah, I think once the weird stuff gets sorted out with Miami, I think it'll it has nothing to do with the Sixers. That Sixers part's done, but I think everything's gonna work out. Um, yeah, let's start with the first signing, like we just talked about. J.J. Redick kind of started the night off with sour tastes in our mouth. He signed a two-year, $26 million deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. And from what I've heard, there is no indication from the Sixers that they were going to bring him back. I guess this might have been the plan. Not sure if it was or not. From my point of view, I feel like having J.J. was definitely a very big priority this offseason, just of how big of a impact and how valuable he was in the offense last year and him not being here this year with his shooting and force spacing not being there that's going to be something that's going to be hard to replace but I guess the Sixers and him were far away on money and that's what caused the split I think if the Sixers end goal was to run it back and then if that was an actual possibility which at this point it doesn't look like it was I think keeping JJ would have been and should have been a top priority but uh 
if the Sixers and Jimmy Butler were as far apart as Woj has made it out to be, I don't think the Sixers, it's my understanding that they couldn't have signed Horford to the deal that they did and completed the Miami trade and re-signed Horford, um, pardon me, Reddick. So it sounds like J.J. was kind of the odd man out in this situation. Uh, but I do like the fit in New Orleans a lot. The Pelicans really need some shooting around Zion, Lonzo, Ingram, um, and Drew Holiday. So I, I do think the fit's really good on that end. And, um, you know, it sucks to see him go. He was a really, you know, consummate professional, obviously, and also a really important part of Brett Brown's offense. I'm going to be really interested to see how Philadelphia kind of makes up for his his uh, departure because, like you said, he was such an important part of so many of the sets that Brett Brown ran. But uh, yeah, I just don't think most worth things when there's a chance for to bring him back. One thing is, like, J.J. is so valuable on offense, but on defense he's usually a minus. And so with the new addition that we got tonight that we'll talk about in a little bit, I think J.J. defensively, most everyone is going to be a, an upgrade over him, especially as he gets older. He's in his mid-30s now. So J.J. on the offensive end, he had his best season of his career last year with minutes, points, shot attempts, and from, like, that aspect, it's like, yes, J.J. is really, really valuable – but at the same time, the Sixers look like they're prioritizing defense, and they still have time to find shooting. So I don't think it's the end-all or be-all that J.J.'s gone. Like you said, he was the odd man out. So, And with the stuff they ha- with the guys they got in tonight, I think overall this team is better suited than they were before. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think on the whole I would prefer this version of the team over running it back with the same five-man group from last year. I, I think the Sixers are in a better spot with Jimmy and JJ, but um, as far as, you know, options, if Jimmy and JJ aren't able to return, this is about as good as you can get. I'm personally a big Al Horford fan. It fits a little weird, and I'm very much concerned about how his contract's going to age, but I do think the fit with Embiid is really interesting. I think they complement themselves each other in more than one way, and I think Embiid, um, pardon me, Horford and Simmons also complement each other, so I do think there's a nice fit there, and I do think the Sixers are still going to have a very real chance to contend next season. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean that the Sixers team is better than the team they had last year, so I meant to say, okay. I meant to say that for Jimmy leaving and JJ leaving, this is the best they could have done, and that's just a credit to Elton Brand, but to get more on the specifics of that, the first Sixers signing of the night, Tobias Harris agreed to a five-year, $180 million contract extension. It's $10 million less than the max that he was eligible for. And that $10 million can honestly go really like a long way, just that $2 million extra per year. Uh, that can be used towards, I mean, if you have any room for like a biannual exception or um, mid-level exception, any kind of, this kind of stuff like that, $2 million is a decent amount. Like we saw teams this year paying a decent amount of money for draft picks. So saving $2 million per year with Harris is huge. And then just having, I think Harris by himself, I talked about this on an earlier podcast, Harris by himself is going to thrive so much more than without Jimmy just because the way he fits in with Ben Simmons and MB just is that low usage wing scorer, and he'll be able to get a lot more shots off now. And he'll thrive a lot better in the offense now that Jimmy's not there. Obviously, they're not as good without Jimmy on the team as well. But I think Tobias is going to have – we already saw glimpses of it last year with him and the Clippers. Should have been an all-star. And I think this year he's going to make a big splash and have the best season of his career. Yeah, I think a lot of 
Tobias's struggles in the postseason just came down to him being in a role that he's not comfortable with and kind of being overshadowed by Jimmy and the other stars. So I do think just on a personal level, he's going to be a lot better this season. I think another, you know, having a full summer and a full season with the team from a continuity perspective is also going to be big for him. Um, So I agree. He's, you know, that low usage third star that the Sixers really need next to guys like um, Embiid and Simmons. He's going to space the floor at a high level. He's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, um, which is obviously valuable. So, yeah, I do think it might have been a slight overpay, but um, on the whole, you had to do it, especially with what Billy gave up to get Harris at the deadline. There was really no moving forward without him. Um, So I think it was, on the whole, a very, very positive deal. If the Sixers had traded for Jimmy and Tobias and then let both of them walk, I don't know what you'd say to Sixers fans and I mean, just the front office, just to trade away all those assets, Landry Shamit, Robert Covington, Dario Saric, all these young guys that Miami 2021 pick, all these guys you trade away. And if they didn't bring any of them back, that the fans would not have been happy. And I mean, this team would not have been in as good of a place. So you need a guy like Harris. That's, I think he's a sputting super or a sputting star. And I think this year in a role where he's a lot more comfortable, like he said, he's going to thrive. So yeah. And then right after the Harris deal, Mike Scott was signed. He signed a two year, $9.8 million contract. And we, all the Sixers fans were already super high after the Tobias trade. And then, Mike Scott, the fan favorite, got signed, and Sixers fans couldn't be happier. Obviously, I think Mike's a guy the Sixers wanted to bring back. Um, he went to Elton in the front office and said that he wanted to be back, and I know a lot of Sixers fans obviously wanted him back, so it's just a positive all around. The Sixers are going to need shooters, and he's um, a pretty great one at the four spot. Um, and he also, the Sixers are obviously prioritizing size and defensive versatility. That's another area where Scott um, fits in. He's, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, a strong frame and can defense, which is um, reasonably well. So he really fits everything the Sixers need at this point in the front court. Um, he's going to be able to play with um, both Embiid and Al Horford. So, yeah, just kind of an obvious no-brainer at that point. Um, if you can bring him back for a cheap deal like that, you do it. Um, and I think he's going to have another strong season um, off the bench next year. Yeah, and I think Mike Scott, I think they used the mid-level, they the mid-level exception for him. I think that was the 9.8 for two years. They stretched that over two full years for him. Yeah, it's, yes, like we said, Mike Scott, I think he's shooting 42% from three during the regular season with the Sixers last year. And just the energy that Mike Scott brings to the team – and to the entire arena just at home is huge. And like you said, defensive versatility with the newly added guys we have now, Mike Scott can slide right into that backup four spot. And we're going to assume that Joel Embiid is going to miss at least 20 games next year. So when Embiid's out, Mike Scott can increase minutes, and he's already comfortable with the offense. Knows Brett Brown's system really well. Had to play with Ben and Tobias Harris. So you slide him into that combo forward spot and – give him extra minutes, he's perfectly comfortable in that role. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Sixers need to reinforce the bench, but uh, Scott was one of the most impactful reserves they had all of last season. Um, It's a really cheap deal considering the market and his skill set. He fits the modern league and he fits what the Sixers need. So it was, like I said, just a no-brainer. 
Yeah, so let's move on to the third event of the night, which was the Sixers trading Jimmy Butler to the Heat in a sign-and-trade deal for Josh Richardson. So Jimmy Butler, according to Woj, the Sixers never offered Jimmy even a four-year max extension. He was eligible for five years, $190 million, and supposedly the Sixers weren't even close to that. Chris, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, obviously, um, if I'm in the Sixers' shoes, I think you offered Jimmy the full five years. Um, I understand the concern about his age and maybe his fit with Ben Simmons. I know that was a talking point um, for some people on Twitter, but um, I think Jimmy proved his worth in the postseason. And if the Sixers could have gotten him for five years, $190 million, they should have. Um, but if this is Jimmy's choice, I know Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice reported that the Sixers were willing to offer five years and that Jimmy just turned it down. So obviously some conflicting information there. Um, you know, if this was Jimmy's decision, you obviously have to respect it. He has family. He has other issues outside of basketball that he might want to tend to. That's his decision to make. Um, Miami does have a really great culture that would seem to fit a player like Jimmy and his personality. So from that perspective, it makes sense. Um, and the Sixers obviously got a really solid asset in Josh Richardson. So you don't have a total loss of Robert Cummington and Dario Sarge, who you gave up last season to get Jimmy. So on the whole, it could have been a lot worse, you know, obviously if he had walked for nothing. Um, the Sixers probably should have if they didn't offer the five-year max. But when it comes down to it, I think Richardson's going to be a really solid fit in Philadelphia. Josh Richardson can slide into that shooting guard and small forward spot and versatile defender and Austin Krell fellow Sixer Sense contributor tweeted that Josh Richardson averaged two fewer points per game than Jimmy Butler this season at 25 years old 40.7 of his shots came from three-point territory and he shot 35.7 percent from three this season on a team with no spacing in the Miami Heat and he shot 38.5 percent on spot ups so I think Josh Richardson on a team with a lot more talent where teams aren't as focused on him as much will dive in better, get more open shots, and just be all-around better player. And last year with the Heat, he averaged 16.6 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 4.1 assists, and 1.1 steals, and he shot 41% from the field. So Richardson is a solid guy. He's going to be a perfect fourth option or a fifth option for the Sixers, which is crazy if Richardson's your fifth option. That's just your ceiling for that team is really high. And then he's only on the second year of his four-year $42 million contract. He has a player option in 21-22. So this year his salary is $10.1 million. So it's a pretty good deal for a player of his caliber. So I just think that deals – if you're going to trade Jimmy Butler – Obviously, the Miami Miami Heat couldn't take him as it was, so they had to send salary back. And they're still trying to figure out that third team with the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks wanted Kelly Olynyk and Derrick Jones Jr., but the Miami Heat did not want to give up Derrick Jones Jr., which I don't really think that makes much sense because they're getting a guy in Jimmy Butler back, and they can't do that with the salary cap implications because they're a million and a half off. So... Not really sure why the Heat are holding them up there. At first, it was Goran Dragic, but that was a misreport. So they're still trying to figure that out now, but it doesn't affect the Sixers' end because they still agreed on the Jimmy and Josh Richardson swap. 
and another stat that I, I saw um, from Jackson Frank of the Athletic, um, Richardson was 71st percentile on handoffs last season. And obviously that's something Brett Brown likes to run a lot. And with J.J. leaving, the Sixers are going to have an opening for guards who are going to run a lot of handoffs. So Richard can, Richardson can step into that role. He can also create off the dribble a bit, which is something the Sixers are going to need without Butler. Um Embiid and Horford are both really elite dribble handoff bigs. Ben Simmons can run those actions as well. So there's a lot of room for him to kind of fit in as this kind of versatile spot-up shooting slash creating um, fifth option on offense. I think he's a really clean fit there. Um, like you said, someone with Rich, a team with Richardson as its fifth star has a really high ceiling. Um and the Sixers are in a really good spot. He's one of the better assets you probably could have hoped for in a side-and-trade for Butler, just considering the lack of leverage that Philly had. Um, so, yeah, just a positive way to get out of that um, on the whole. Yeah, I mean, just the Sixers don't have, on this roster, they don't have much isolation perimeter scoring. I think Richardson has the potential to Im- improve Richardson scoring is valuable. And then the last move, the biggest move, I think, of the night was, but not just because of how it fits with the Sixers, just with their ceiling, is the Sixers signed Al Horford to a four-year, $97 million contract with championship bonuses. It can increase to $109 million. So Al Horford, him alongside Joel Embiid, probably is not the most perfect fit in the world defensively. A starting lineup of Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid is probably going to be the best defense in the entire NBA next year. Just with their length, strength, and versatility, these guys can all defend multiple positions. And Horford defended Embiid the best in the NBA. So when the Sixers play, let's say, the Bucks, for example, they're going to be able to throw Embiid and Horford at Giannis on command. And I think that's – I mean, as of right now, I'd say the Bucks are one of the biggest contenders for the Sixers. Right now in the East – We'll see if Kawhi stays, but Horford alongside Embiid, it's a big, kind of a weird fit, but Embiid isn't going to play 82 games. He's probably going to play 60, and he should be on a minutes restriction, so that is perfect for Horford that can play all the minutes that Embiid's not on the floor, so you always have Horford or Embiid on the floor. You can stagger their minutes, so they're not on the floor at the same time because of the fit. That's probably not perfect, and on offense, Horford can stretch to the floor and shoot the three, which is well... I'm I'm really happy about the con- about about the deal. The contract might not look good in the last half, but as of right now, this championship window before Ben is on his extension, I think you have to you have to go out for a chance at the title. Yeah, I definitely think um, overall it's a positive. I do have worries about how a four-year contract is going to age, just because Horford's already 33, so he'll be 37 by the time that contract ends, making you know. Well over 20 million per year, so not not ideal in that sense. But um, like you said, he spaces the floor. He's another guy who can run those dribble handoff sets that Brett likes to run, kind of pick and pop with Ben, with Richardson, with Tobias. Um, defensively, I think the Sixers. We kind of saw how beneficial it was to have so much size and physicality last season. I think it's one of the reasons Philadelphia gave Toronto so much trouble in the postseason was just how big and physical they could play. And now they've gotten even bigger and even more physical. They've replaced Reddick with Richardson, who's a plus defender, you know, at 6'6"-ish. And they've added Horford to the front court. Um, 
I don't know if in four years I would be confident about Horford being able to switch screens and guard on the perimeter like he can now. But for right now, he's someone who can defend fours. And like you said, they're going to be able to, to stagger minutes and even stagger rest days um, for Embiid and Horford. So hopefully that helps limit both their minutes, helps prolong um, Horford's career, and helps keep Embiid fresh for the postseason. So in that sense, in preserving both those guys, I think that's a positive, and I do think there's a lot to like about the fit, especially on defense. Um, so I'm really excited to see how it works out. Horford's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, just a super smart, um, skilled all-around guy. So I'm I'm definitely interested, if nothing else, to see how things work out next season. Yeah, I, I just love Horford's versatility, just with his playmaking ability, his high IQ, obviously. He's one of the better defenders in the NBA. And on offense, he's just so versatile. He can kind of just do whatever you need him to do. He can fill whatever role on the team you need. He shot 74% inside the restricted area last year within three feet. Um, he shot 54% from three to 10 feet, 54% from 10 to 16 feet. And from 16 feet to the three-point line, he shot 52%. And then on three-pointers, he shot 36%. So those numbers are, are outstanding. He's a very accurate shooter from all places on the floor for a big guy has a very unorthodox shot, but very efficient can knock down shots wherever you need him to be. He's one of the better uh, screeners out of big men in the NBA and his playmaking ability just as a passer with Ben Simmons, hopefully expanding his game, cutting the basket off the ball and setting screens. Horford can be that distributor and hopefully Embiid can do that too. So, with Horford on the floor, you can throw him in there and he can play make like a point guard or score in the post like a center. Yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely just excited to see how the defense looks. I think the Sixers' size is such a unique thing because there's not going to be a team in the league next year that's remotely as big as the Sixers in terms of their starting five. So I, I do think with how physical Horford and Simmons play at six foot ten plus, along with Embiid, obviously they're seven two. 280 or whatever. That's so much size and physicality to throw at other teams on defense. I do think it's going to give the Sixers a really unique edge. Um, and obviously, you got a really high IQ guy and a great leader in Horford who uh, can kind of help with the locker room and all sorts of things. Just generally considered one of the better teammates and professionals in the league. So on that, in that respect, um, I'm just really interested to see how things play out yeah so i mean as of right now we've let jj walk i just didn't agree on deal with jj traded signed traded jimmy butler for josh richardson and then signed al horford and then obviously tobias agreed to that five-year 180 million dollar contract also with that tobias harris contract there are no player options so that's full five years there's no opt-outs it's yeah, so Chris, what are your expectations and predictions for what the Sixers do next? Obviously, we probably need to address the backup center, or sorry, with the backup point guard spot and address some shooting. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think center is really a big concern at this point, obviously, with Horford. Um, mm -hmm. I think Jonah's going to improve just organically next season, even if he's not perfect. I think he's someone who can still play spot minutes, um, you know, hit a few threes and defend on the perimeter. And hopefully they re-sign Boban to a minimum or near-minimum deal. Um, I think he's still worth it just for his regular season minutes. Um, and I think the biggest need at this point is a point guard who can 
not only run the offense when Ben sits, but who can just space the floor and hit some pull-up jumpers. They do need some more shot creation, I think, on the perimeter. I don't think Richardson and Tobias is enough in that sense in terms of half-court shot creating creators. So getting another point guard who can kind of make stuff happen off the dribble should probably be Elton Brand's number one priority at this point. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Just with the limited shooting there is on the roster right now, I think going after a guy like Seth Curry or even Patrick Beverly, who's improved his three-point shot, is definitely probably your top two guys you want to go after. Obviously, I think Seth Curry would be a better fit just with his versatility, being able to come off screens and just space the floor. You could play him alongside Ben Simmons if you wanted to. So I think Seth Curry's definitely got to keep your eye on. And just shooting from that guard spot, the Sixers need a good backup point guard. Anything that's an upgrade over TJ McConnell, I think it's going to be good. Obviously, off the bench, you're going to have Matisse, Thibault, Zaire Smith. Shake Milton's going to get some minutes, too. So you're going to need a point guard off that bench. And if he's an upgrade over TJ McConnell, I think that's viable. You just need a guy that can shoot threes. I'm definitely fine with bringing TJ back on a minimum. But I, I don't think he can be your main go-to backup point guard at this point. Um, I know there are a lot of rumors about TJ having some big market um you know, this free agency, but Phoenix has already signed Rubio. Charlotte's going to get Terry Rozier. So, you know, those kind of tanking teams that had openings at the point guard have pretty quickly filled up. Um, and I think all last season we saw how limited TJ was, and he was benched pretty early in the postseason. So I don't see why teams would be lining up to offer him a bunch of money. That never really made sense to me. So I do think in the end, just given – how much he loves Philly and how much Philly has embraced him, how much Brett Brown in the front office has embraced him. I think we end up seeing TJ back in Philadelphia. But he, he can't be the um, one solution to back up point guard. They need someone who can shoot, who can shoot off the dribble. Um, I think that's important at this point. Yeah, TJ just spot minutes off the bench. It Obviously, his playing time is very, very inconsistent. But if... He can get you five, ten minutes game going there, get a few steals, get some loose balls. His intangibles are off the charts. See, like, personally, I don't – Ish Smith, not a three-point shooter. I, won't, I don't really I, – I think a good option would be Corey Joseph if he came. He had a bit of a down year last year, averaged six-and-a-half points and four assists per game with Indiana. But I think if Corey Joseph comes on an affordable deal, then – Sorry, that's a point guard that can stretch the floor with his shooting. They can put backside along even T.J. McConnell. Yeah, yeah, I think Joseph is definitely, you know, a best-case scenario at this point. I don't know if Philly has enough money to make a competitive offer for what he might get on the open market. You know, we've seen point guards get a, a pretty hefty chunk of cash so far. This, um, you know, today, this free agency, uh, obviously Rubio, like I said, Rougier, Point guards are making a good bit of money, so I do think Joseph might be just outside the Sixers' price range at this point. But uh, you mentioned Seth Curry, someone like him, Gwen Cook, Trey Burke, just guys like that who can create off the dribble and shoot the ball at a high level in a limited kind of microwave scoring role off the bench. I think that would be a really good value get for the Sixers. Um, I think they're pretty much settled on the wing at this point with – Tobias and Richardson second up most of those starting minutes. I think Zaire and Matisse are both going to get a chance to play next season. 
I think Shake's going to get a chance to crack the rotation. Um, you know, the Sixers might add one or two more, you know, veteran minimum guys on the wing. They might look at bringing back James Ennis if it's possible. But I think point guard becomes the um, primary concern at this point. Yeah, like you said, Quinn Cook would be a great option off the bench. And another guy that's a free agent as well is Shabazz Napier. But he has been rumored to be included in that D'Angelo Russell deal that signed a trade to oh. Golden State. So that was that was rumored. That was Shams said that. Not sure if that actually – we're recording the podcast, so I'm not sure if that actually ended up happening. But he was rumored to go to Golden State. But if he ended up not, then maybe Shabazz Napier could be another guy to keep your eye on. Yeah, yeah, both those guys would be great options if they become available. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of movement happening around the league. Um, that Golden State trade is pretty um, pretty insane, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, Dallas and Miami haven't figured out their end of the deal, so not every piece is then moving yet. So the Sixers are probably going to have time to evaluate their options. They aren't going to be going for any of the big money guys anymore. So they're kind of kind of just be searching the low, lower level free agent market, seeing which guys fit, which guys they're interested in. We should probably see a pretty complete roster within the next week or so, I would say. I think at this point, James Ennis can, is is definitely not going to come back. We'll probably see Boban on a minimum deal. I think a team's going to throw money at TJ, so maybe he comes back, but I think. A team gets desperate and misses out on guys, and TJ leaves town. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be if TJ was the Lakers starting point guard, that'd be very interesting. Um, yeah, but I think a guy like Anthony Tolliver in my roster prediction, the roundtable we did, I had Anthony Tolliver as a guy that the Sixers, a, a minimal guy that the Sixers could sign that could give you scoring um, at that combo forward spot. Or maybe another guy like Dante Cunningham's another forward that he'd throw in there. Or maybe um, Luke Mbamute, another defender. But I think right now it's shooting, and that's why you go towards like Anthony Tolliver, Shabazz Napier, Quinn Cook, one of those guys like that. Yeah, yeah it's kind of funny how how wrong all of our predictions are already. I, th- I think Seth Curry, Kim Birch, and Anthony Tolliver were the only new guys I really had the Sixers adding. So, obviously, I, I missed the mark a bit there. But um, I think Tolliver would be a great fit in the front court just because of shooting. It's something the Sixers are going to need. Um, and I don't think he projects to be too expensive at this point. The Sixers can still target someone like Kim Birch if they're worried about the center spot. I don't think they should be at this point. I think, especially once the postseason hits, Embiid and Horford are going to get all those minutes. So, I don't think they should prioritize that. But... You know, knowing the front office and their infinity, their affinity for uh, veteran centers, maybe it happens. So we'll we'll see. I'm I'm sure there are more moves to come here in the pretty near future. Yeah, I think it started off slow, but the majority of the Sixers roster is kind of shaping up right now. Pretty clear direction of where we think things are gonna things are gonna go. Things shaping up in the East. I think we're just going to need to monitor as at this point. We have KD and Kyrie on the Nets this year. Obviously, it's only going to be Kyrie. Garrett Temple also went to the Nets. So I think they're going to be a team that's probably still only going to be a five seed or a four or five seed this year. 
Boston has Kemba Walker. I think they're going to be around the way they were last year. And I think right now the Sixers and the Bucks are going to be the top two teams, especially if Kawhi goes to the Clippers. Then I think still it's – or even if Kawhi stays with the Raptors, I think it's still Bucks, Sixers, Raptors at the top of the East. And we'll see. And I think Sixers might even have the edge at that point. Yeah, I definitely think if Kawhi goes, it's pretty clearly Milwaukee and Philadelphia at the top with um, – Boston, Indiana, and Brooklyn trailing um, in that second tier. Um, Toronto joins the top tier if Kawhi comes back. And maybe Toronto, just based on what we saw last season, goes into the year as favorites. But, um, yeah, I do think the Sixers are in about as good a spot as you could hope for, um, considering that both Butler and Reddick ended up walking. I think if you told, told us a few weeks ago that Butler and Reddick wouldn't be back, we would have a lot. We'd be a lot more worried um, about where the roster was going than, than where we are right now. I think Horford's going to better than expected. I do think Tobias is going to be better with an expanded role on offense. And Richardson is a really great asset to have as your fifth option. So um, I do think the Sixers are in a good spot. And I do anticipate them contending for an Eastern Conference title next season. Um like you said, that window's a bit shorter, maybe, just because if KD does come back at full speed, that net te- um, at full strength, that Nets team becomes really formidable. But we'll we'll see what happens. Looking at it from uh, an outside point of view, it probably wasn't likely that both Tobias and Jimmy. I think if both Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris came back, it would have hindered on the development of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So only having one of them, it kind of helps out Ben Simmons especially because there's less uh, perimeter ball handlers. So Ben Simmons can evolve as a point guard and a playmaker. And hopefully he attempts more jump shots. With the limited shooting now in this lineup, Ben's going to be forced to actually have to take attempt jump shots. And Al Horford's kind of like an insurance policy for MB because we have no idea how his health's going to look. He could have a bad injury to – uh, his arthritis plagued knees that could put him out for an extended period of time. And if Embiid somehow just completely declines and regresses a ton, and maybe we've already seen the best of Embiid, I really hope not, then you have insurance policy in Al Horford. Yeah, and I do think the Sixers, at this point, it looks pretty likely that they are going to invest a five-year max in Ben Simmons. So that's a commitment that they're going to make, and it's a commitment that they should make. Um, I've never been one to buy, you know, trading Ben just because of fit. I, I, I think they have, I think Simmons and Embiid have figured out how to play together. I do think the Sixers can succeed and win a title with those two together. I think they almost did it last season. And Ben's only going to get better at this point. So I, I, I do think putting him in a better position to succeed, and maybe that was one of the motivations behind not extending Butler for so long. I think that's an important thing, but yeah. So I don't really know if there's much else to talk about now. Sixers yeah. addressed the big question marks we had. The main ones, which were Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and then just both of those, we turned Jimmy Butler into Al Horford and Josh Richardson. So I think that's definitely a positive there. And then the bench got Mike Scott back, so we just need to address that backup point guard spot. And then I think it's smooth sailing from there. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I do think this upcoming season is going to be one of the more, obviously we've been saying this, these past three seasons as a whole have just been really interesting because of the roster turnover we've seen. 
Um, it happened with the trades last year, and it's happened again this summer. So I'm just really interested to see how all the pieces mix. The Sixers have really gone out of their way to try to find to find the right mix of talent and star guys to um to play with Embiid and Simmons, and now they're pretty much locked into this core. Um, Embiid and Horford and Harris and Simmons are all going to be here for the next four or five years, barring a trade. And Richardson could very well get an an extension like that. In, in the next couple summers. So I think we're finally kind of settling into what this roster is going to look like for the foreseeable future. And I'm really interested to see how it all plays out. Yeah, it is nice to finally have guys here that will know be here for multiple years because we've had, like you said, the roster turnover has been insane the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think the guys will get off the bench if that backup point guard spot is going to be a multi-year deal and that backup center spot as well. And then maybe those small veteran guys like Anthony Tolliver or guys of that caliber are probably going to be one-year veteran minimum deals. So besides that, those guys are replaceable. But the main core of the Sixers is definitely set and it's locked in. So I'm excited to see what we can do. Yeah. Um, obviously, more is going to play out over the next week, couple weeks. Um we really we now have like an official core for the Sixers moving forward for the next four years at least, and it's really it's an exciting time. I think I think it's a really interesting mix of talent. Um, Elton Brand and management have obviously put in an emphasis on size and defensive versatility, and given where the league's at, I think that's a really unique route to take, and I'm we'll see how it plays out. If you just told me a month ago that. The Sixers roster would be Josh Richardson and Al Horford. I would have said you're crazy. So it's kind of kind of strange how that all worked out. But we'll be keeping you guys updated as we go along in free agency and how everything rolls out. So there's still a lot left to go. There's still Clyde Leonard has to make his decision. There's other big key free agents that still haven't decided where they're going yet. But day one free agency was huge. There was $2 billion spent in the first two and a half hours on contracts, so just so much money. I haven't, I don't think we've seen as many big, dumb contracts we saw in 2016, but it's been exciting, and we'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, thanks, everyone, for uh, listening. We'll obviously have more here and on the site in the near future, so just stay tuned.